Hey y'all, welcome to the third episode of Just Be Confident. For the third episode, I will be talking about eating disorders in more depth. But before we get started, I would like to introduce y'all to our special guest for today's episode. Kimran here. Hi guys, I'm so very excited to be speaking on Just Be Confident with Dara today. Thank you for this opportunity. No problem. Cameron specializes in the details of eating disorders. She actually hosts her own podcast called Here We Are Healthy. Her podcast goes into the great depths about eating disorders. So if you find this episode interesting, be sure to check out Cameron's podcast. The link will be down below. It is available on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts. So, to start off, Kimran, can you explain what eating disorders are for our listeners? For sure. An eating disorder is when people are compelled to go through the extremes when it comes to body weight, food, and eating. Sort of like a mental block regarding eating. Yes, exactly. Eating disorders are illnesses, not character flaws or choices. Individuals don't choose to have an eating disorder. You also can't tell whether a person has an eating disorder just by looking at their appearance. People with eating disorders can be underweight, overweight, or normal weight. It's impossible to diagnose someone by just looking at them. Some of the most common eating disorders are anorexia, which is significantly limiting the amount of food that you consume, bulimia, which is when you eat greater amounts of food, binging, and then take the food out, purging by literally throwing it up, exercising, or fasting excessively, and then binge eating disorder, which is when you consume large amounts of food in a small amount of time without control and without purging. You know, an unusual fact is that anorexic, a derogative term, means very slim and weak, and it comes from the word anorexia. But all slim people don't have anorexia or an eating disorder and are simply naturally slim, most of the time due to their fast metabolism or their activity levels. Wow, actually, that's something for sure. It doesn't make any sense, to be honest, because, again, not all slim people have anorexia. Not all overweight people have a binge eating disorder. Exactly. But to get back on topic, Cameron, would you mind explaining what factors can affect the way a person eats, including all mental, physical, and social aspects? Not at all. So there are numerous factors which can influence the way we eat, some being taste or appearance of the food. This includes the smell and texture. The culture of the person, as that is where they were brought up and their opinion was formed, and there's a person's socioeconomic status, as that shows which foods they can afford, for example, higher quality or lower quality foods, as there's a difference in price between the two. Yeah, exactly. More factors include the marketing of the food as people begin to want to try a variety of foods more, the person's health as their diagnosis or condition sometimes restricts specific foods, diets being a vegetarian or vegan also restricts their eating habits, and then their knowledge as some people aren't fully aware of how to eat healthy which affects how they eat as well. The stress and mood of a person also affects the way they eat. People who have a positive mood tend to choose healthier foods, while people with a negative mood have greater preference for indulgent foods. I was reading this article last night that these researchers conducted four different studies and conducted that when people are in a bad mood, they tend to focus more on the sensory qualities of the food. Wow, really? Yeah, and on the other hand, when they are in a good mood and things seem to be all right, they focus more on the abstract aspects of the food, like how healthy and nutritious the food is, even when it's from the big picture. That's actually really cool. I've also talked about this in the previous episodes, that the social part of our lives also impact our diet. The people we surround ourselves with greatly influence our food, regardless of our awareness about it. For example, studies show that being surrounded by people who are supportive when one is going through transitions in life has a great impact when developing sustainable healthy habits and making healthier nutritional choices. Yeah, exactly. 
Research shows the majority of the shaping of food choices can take place in the home. This happens because family and friends can be a source of encouragement in making and sustaining dietary change, adopting dietary strategies which are acceptable to them. This may benefit the individual while also having an effect on their eating habits. It is also stronger from family or who they live with, as that is where they consume their food most of the time. Yeah, but to carry on, Cameron, can you explain how an eating disorder can develop for our listeners? Of course. Eating disorders don't happen overnight. They can develop over the course of a few months or a few years. Like with any mental health condition, eating disorders begin differently for each person. For some, it may be losing a few pounds and enjoying the way their body looks with less weight. For others, it may be finding comfort in food. And for others, it may begin due to depression, stressful triggers, or drama in the environment. However, eating disorders are rarely about food or wanting to be thin. Instead, sufferers use food and unhealthy behaviors like dieting, binging, starving, and purging to cope with unpleasant, overwhelming emotions and stressful situations. In the short term, these behaviors relieve anxiety and stress. For the long term, however, they actually increase anxiety and stress and create other serious complications. Definitely. Those with anorexia have significant weight loss from restricting calories, often not realizing how underweight they may be and perceiving themselves as quote-unquote fat. Anorexia has the highest mortality rate of any mental health condition and claims the lives of an estimated 10 to 20 percent individuals due to complications. Associated with a distorted sense of body image, anorexia is closely linked to depression as well. As of bulimia, it is characterized by cycles of binge eating followed by purging the body of unwanted calories. This sequence can be triggered by stress, anxiety, depression, and a lack of control. Individuals who have bulimia might feel regret after a binge, but find comfort and well-being following a purge. Purging can bring a sense of control and ease to stress and anxiety that the individual might be feeling, which is sort of why it's done. They often consume between 3,400 calories in as little as an hour or as many as 20,000 calories in eight hours, and this cycle can be repeated several times a week. Binge eating disorder, also known as BED, is the most common eating disorder in the U.S. The frequent sessions of binge eating leaves individuals feeling out of control and ashamed, often leading to depression. Little is known about the cause of this disorder or why it develops. Sometimes it is linked to a genetic disposition, depression, anxiety, and weight discrimination. While there is no true cause, several combined factors can produce an eating disorder. Individuals with a family history of eating disorders are most likely to engage in eating disorder behaviors, as well as those who have a history of depression or obsessive compulsive disorder. Many experts believe eating disorders develop when neurotransmitters in the brain become unbalanced, one being serotonin, which has a central role in anxiety and depression, both common in anorexia and bulimia. Brain scans have shown that individuals with these disorders get too little serotonin. Other contributing factors leading to eating disorders can include stress, anxiety, and substance abuse. Cameron, who is the most targeted when considering eating disorders? Like, who is more prone? Well, as you mentioned before, eating disorders can affect people of any race, gender, and age. However, some factors may make others more prone to an eating disorder. For sure. Some factors that can make you more prone to an eating disorder are having a close relative with an eating disorder. Studies of families have shown that having a first-degree relative like a parent or sibling with an eating disorder increases a person's risk of developing an eating disorder. Having a close relative with a mental health condition, similarly, issues like anxiety, depression, and addiction can run in families and have also been found to increase the chances that a person will develop an eating disorder. History of dieting. The history of dieting and other weight control methods is associated with the development of binge eating. Negative energy balance. Burning off more calories than you take in leads to a state of negative energy balance. Many people report that their eating disorder began with deliberate efforts to diet or restrict the amount and or type of food they were eating in the form of dieting. 
Other causes can include growth spurts, illness, and intense athletic training. Yeah, some more factors that make people more prone are type 1 insulin-dependent diabetes. Recent research has found that approximately one quarter of women diagnosed with type 1 diabetes will develop an eating disorder. The most common pattern is skipping insulin injections, known as diabulimia, which can be deadly. Perfectionism? One of the strongest risk factors for an eating disorder is perfectionism, especially a type of perfectionism called self-oriented perfectionism, which involves setting unrealistically high expectations for yourself. Then there is body image dissatisfaction. Body image encompasses how you feel about your body. It's sadly not uncommon to dislike your appearance, but people who develop eating disorders are more likely to report higher levels of body image dissatisfaction and an internalization of the appearance ideal. There's also personal history of an anxiety disorder. Research has shown that a significant subset of people with eating disorders, including two-thirds of those with anorexia, showed signs of an anxiety disorder before the onset of their eating disorder. Then, there's behavior inflexibility. Many people with anorexia report that as children, they always followed the rules and felt that there was only quote-unquote one right way to do things. But where exactly do we see eating disorders the most? Again, eating disorders can affect all types of people. However, they are often diagnosed in teenagers and young adults, but many people are first diagnosed with an eating disorder in later adulthood. Many changes occur in our body during adolescence. These changes can be very difficult for some youth. Sometimes those who are dissatisfied with their body will turn to disordered eating. However, not everyone who is unhappy with their body will develop an eating disorder. Most eating disorders are much more common in women and girls than in men and boys. Girls in their teens are most likely to develop an eating disorder, but boys and men are also affected. People usually think of eating disorders as a female problem, and so sadly, men and boys may be less likely to be diagnosed. Yeah, men and boys may be more reluctant to talk about their symptoms. They may be less likely to admit that they have a problem compared to females. They are often afraid that others will see them as less masculine. They may worry that others will think they are homosexual because of the untrue stereotypes that come with eating disorders. These fears make it much more difficult for men and boys to get the help that they need. Additionally, since body image and self-esteem play a very large role in eating disorders, it comes to no surprise that many celebrities have struggled with and have overcome eating disorders. Exactly, Dara. Eating disorders certainly have occurred throughout the years. However, when did they become more common so our listeners can know? So, although there isn't an exact date, eating disorders have been going around for quite some time now. The first case of anorexia nervosa was described in 1689 by Richard Morty. He described it as quote-unquote wasting disease of nervous etiology in one male and one female. However, eating disorders haven't really had a specific time when they became more common. But when people started to become more judgmental about other people's bodies and made them feel insecure about it, then that could be a time when eating disorders increased. Since people, the community, would drop comments about others' bodies, it would affect them mentally, making them develop an eating disorder. Eating disorders are commonly developed because of people's surroundings and when they are interacting with friends and family, as we mentioned earlier. So, if the friends and family don't encourage the person about their body and instead make comments about their weight, shape, body, how they eat, etc., indirectly or even directly, then that is increasing the eating disorder rates, making them more common in that time. Yeah, definitely. Another era when eating disorders became more common is when social media came into play. When people start to get on social media apps such as Instagram, they get to see other people online, including how those people look. People would constantly compare themselves to other people's bodies, making them insecure about themselves and then making them develop eating disorders. Social media truly can impact a person's mindset, making them constantly focus on other people 
comparing their lives to them and making them rethink their body image. The one bad thing is that on social media, not everything is that's true as Dara mentioned in episode 2. Most people really show the good moments. Behind the screen, there is something else going on. There's also Photoshop, where you can change your body in pictures so that it can match the expectations of society. However, not many people realize this, which makes them develop eating disorders and body image issues, which is not good. Also, in 2005, a healthy eating study showed that healthy eating is based on the amount of calories you eat. If you eat too many, then that isn't eating healthy. This report convinced many people that this is true, which made many people craze over their calorie count. Because the count became so, quote, important, people wanted to keep it as low as possible, which developed eating disorders during this time, as counting calories plays a big role in eating disorders. The report even gave a formula to calculate how many calories were consumed and taken out, which made people believe that if they vomited it out, out or overly exercised, then their calorie intake wouldn't be as much, so they would be eating healthy and their bodies would be fit as well. All of this is horrible, but very interesting at the same time. Yeah, it is. And it's very important to understand that tracking your food and calories intake, commonly done by people with eating disorders, seriously does affect not only your physical health, but your mental health as well. Although counting calories can be a healthy eating pattern depending on the individual and their needs and intentions, it can also be a behavior symptom of those who suffer from eating disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, or even anxiety. You may go into counting calories with a healthy, positive attitude, but doing this as a behavior can actually create or develop mental health issues. It can create anxiety and stress for the individual. It begins to impact their day-to-day -day life. Counting calories often becomes a source of stress, a foundation for food rules and restriction. For example, if a person will not eat lunch or dinner since they have met their calorie limit for the day, this can be considered a really unhealthy eating behavior and a symptom of anorexia nervosa disorder. However, others may come to find that they like the power that comes with counting calories and implementing a calorie in and out method. A trigger for eating disorders can be caused by an individual needing control, and by counting calories, they're controlling their eating habits. This is why eating disorders are more common in trauma survivors. It can be a coping mechanism in dealing with events that were out of their control, or daily stressors that they deem are out of their control. Some health professionals consider calorie counting an eating disorder in itself. Counting the number of calories you put in your body is basically like counting the number of breaths you take. Calorie counters tend to also blame themselves for not being able to stick to obsessive behavior. Calorie reduction and counting can drastically affect your daily mood as well. Food has an impact on your mental health and your mood. When you drastically reduce your calories, you set off psychological processes in your body that can cause depression and sadness. Calorie restriction can impact your mood through a deficiency of certain nutrition. If you cut down and limit your red meat, for example, you may be dealing with symptoms of anemia and iron deficiency. As you can clearly see, eating disorders are for sure not the best, and it's important to prevent them and remove them from our lives. It's usually very difficult for people with eating disorders to get better on their own, so it's important that you or the person you know finds professional help and support as soon as possible. The sooner someone is treated for an eating disorder, the better their chance of making a full recovery. Exactly. If you're experiencing some sign or symptoms and believe that you may have an eating disorder, such as having an attitude that indicates weight loss, dieting, and control of food, frequent dieting, extreme concern with body size and shape, frequent checking in the mirror for perceived flaws and appearance, extreme mood swings. Or, if you are someone who struggles with an eating disorder, you can always call the NEDIC, National Eating Disorder Information Center, for help and more information. I'll be getting more into how you can be mentally and physically healthy and just how you can be you in episode 5, so stay tuned.
So, from this episode, I really hope you all learned some information about eating disorders and the dangers of it in our world. That's all for today, folks. Stay tuned for tomorrow's episode, where we will be discussing the evolution of body image throughout time and across the world with special guests. Be sure to check out Cameron's podcast if you enjoyed listening to this episode, where she goes in more detail about eating disorders. The link will be down below. Her podcasts are available on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts, so go check it out. And remember, just be confident. That is a wrap. This podcast is available on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts.